Hi, welcome back to your Institute for Higher ROI here at the Apartment Academy. I am your Dean here at the Academy, and we are the industry's only operations-focused podcast, which features insights from industry leaders, investors, vendors, and technology providers. So if you invest in multifamily real estate or you're involved in the day-to-day on-site operations of apartment buildings, we are your Institute for Higher Learning. So let's jump right in. Today's podcast uh, was with Chad Molin. Chad is uh, has a company he founded called PropOps, which has done a lot of investigation into the benefits of uh, preventative maintenance, just maintenance in general, which surprisingly in this industry is not well known. And so I think he had some good insights to share. Um, classes in session. Hey, Chad, welcome to uh, the Apartment Academy. Thank you, Daniel. I'm very, very excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. So let's start. Um, let's start a little bit with the with the origins of your of your company, Chad. Um, well, Prop Ops. How did that come to be? Well, I started Prop Ops back in uh, 2012. It seems like it's wow, a long time ago. Uh, you blink and it's gone, right? Um, really, I started doing this because I got into start to talk about maintenance training. I, I did some classes with NAA. I went through their advanced instructor training class. Um, started doing some local trainings for my apartment association in Kansas City and found that there was a really big need out there for, you know, real hands on type of training. And it's not only just the technical training, but soft skills training, you know, some of the things that we don't always think about. Right. Um, so, you know, I had, had, you know, I was working as a maintenance supervisor and, you know, an area, a, a regional maintenance manager. Um, while I was putting all of this together and why, you know, so I come from that kind of place, right? It's, it's real world experience. It's hands on. I know, you know, I, I, I've done nothing, but, um, you know, I've been in the apartment industry since I was 18, <laughs> started as a groundskeeper. So, you, you know, it's what I know. And I, I knew that there was a niche there, um, for, to get training from someone who'd actually done the, you know, all of these tasks and have you know, been called out in the middle of the night and have been yelled at by residents and have these situations that we deal with time and time again, that we have to kind of adjust on the fly. So um, that's really where I started. Yeah. And that's uh, where the soft skills come in. It's one thing to, to know how to turn a wrench, but there's a real human element involved in on the maintenance side of properties that people don't think about it, right? Of course. Um, you know, it's, and, and, and it's that thing, it, it's customer service based, right? We are, you know, we, we are doing actual work for people. Um, and we explain it that way, right? When, when does maintenance get called? We always get called when there's something wrong. <laughs> um, sometimes they're small things, sometimes they're big things. Um, you know, but we have to know how to handle those situations. Nobody really talked about, you know, nobody had ever really come to me. I, like I never went to a class to talk about, you know, customer service from a maintenance perspective. You know, you hear the things over and over again, the kind of generic stuff, but, you know, really getting into those things. Um, I, I tell a story where, you know, I, I was like, look, I, I have boldface lied to residents before. And the reason why I lied to them is because I showed up at a situation that was, it was a very bad fire, a very bad flood, whatever the situation. And you tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. I've seen worse. There's at least one instance in everywhere where I had never seen worse. That was it. But, you know, they're coming to us for us to be calm and cool and collected. 
because they probably have never gone through this before. And so if the people that you're going to for help seem kind of shaken and stirred while they're trying to help you, it doesn't give off a lot of confidence. But when you are able to project, hey, I know what's going on. We're going to help you through this. We're going to you know, do what needs to be done. I found over the years that that it really helps with the the entire uh, process of getting that apartment back online and getting those people back into that apartment and, you know, all, all of the things associated. So, you know, it, it, there is there's some real need out there for the soft skills as well as the hard skills training. I've read, um, you know, I think numerous studies that have shown that one of the number one reasons that there is churn at an apartment building is, is oftentimes the quality of the maintenance. And I think people naturally assume that that means, did they fix my thing on time? Right. But you're talking about another component that really matters to people, which is the manner in which that service is, is delivered. Uh, what, what sort of training, what sort of training do you recommend to, to maximize the resident experience outside of the actual repair itself? Well, and it's it's part of it. So it's twofold, really. It's part partly the training. Right. But it, the other part is the process behind that. Right. Like what is the process at your company, at your property? Um, the communication, how is communication carried out and coming into, you know, the, the digital age, especially for maintenance, you know, we're we're getting there, you know, um, Maintenance always seems to be behind the times when it comes to technology and things like that. But now that people can understand that when we complete out a service request, it sends an email right then and there. Um, if there's an issue with the apartment, you know, that you have to get a vendor or a parts on order. If your system is set up to where you change those items in your property management software and it still sends an update, then that's what people need to know that it, it's very important, the, commu- the level of communication, um, because... That's what the residents want. And I found more often than not, as long as we're communicating, we could be truthful, you know, um, in the communication, but at least they know what's going on. And it helps with, you know, with them thinking, oh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do or they didn't show up. You know, uh, it, it's it's so it's twofold. But the, the type of training, especially with the soft skills, is kind of to remember that this is a service based industry. and how people feel about not only the communication, but the, the you know, the level of service that they receive face to face when we can get back to, you know, we're getting back to more face to face time. Right. Um, you know, I, I another thing I say in my in, in my trainings is we all know that one person. We we all know that that one maintenance tech that could fi- fix anything under the sun, but you don't want to lock them in a room with a resident for five minutes. And that's because, and, and I also say, if you don't know that person, you might be that person, right? Um, but it, it's very important that the you know think about some of the training that we they that we receive in our industry on the leasing side, right? When they when you answer a phone, what do they tell you to do on the phone? I've heard time and time again, smile on the phone because people can hear your smile. Well, when you get called at two o'clock in the morning and you get woken up out of a dead sleep. You're not smiling. You're like, uh, you know, you know what? Hey, take a second, get up. And once again, it, it's how that communication starts. There, there are all sorts of these little, you know, tips and tricks to help with the overall experience. But that's the thing, right? People don't remember dates and times. They remember experiences. I remember when I dealt with this one maintenance person and they were great. I also remember the time I dealt with this one maintenance person and they were horrible. <laughs> um, you know, 
don't give them that excuse to say that the level of maintenance or, or the interaction with maintenance was behind their reason to move out. I remember when, when I was running operations um, years ago, we used to um, we used to encourage our, our maintenance staff to sometimes leave behind like a, a un, like a popcorn, like microwavable popcorn or something that we with a cute note just popped in, whatever. Does that stuff matter? Is it really, as you, you were saying, you were talking about communication. Do they really just, as long as you're communicating with residents, is that sufficient? Or do you really, do you think you need to go that extra mile to provide, you know, a quality resident experience? No, I, I think it is important. And, but, but once again, sometimes when the marketing people or the managers or whatever, they think, oh, maintenance can keep one of these behind every work order. But how do we get them there? How are they packaged? You know, things like that. Things that are real, you know, uh, if you want us to leave behind chocolate hearts, they're going to melt where in our, in our vehicles or out on the golf cart, you know, those types of things. Right. Um, but I do believe it's important. And once again, it's about the processes of the property. I feel that having maintenance involved in resident functions, uh, in resident renewals, um, you know, I put together a resident renewal process for maintenance that when I started this, I had the oldest property in this company's portfolio in the area. It was also the largest property. It had the highest cost per unit, the lowest resident retention. After starting this process, th this program with maintenance, in a year and four months, it was totally flipped. We had the lowest cost per unit. We had the highest resident retention. And it it was, it was, it was, um, you know, it was getting in there. It was going and knocking on doors. With, you know, you had a professional letter, you know, with um, if you couldn't reach them. But the rule was you had to try three times, go once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once around lunchtime. And and if you could not meet them face to face, then we left them a, a, a letter and it wasn't at renewal time. That was the thing. We set it up where we did that 60 days before they even came up for renewal because those type of things stick in people's minds. They're like, oh, they checked on me. They took the time to. And you know what? We would knock on the door. If they answered, we were like we'd introduce ourselves. We would have some certain things with us, drip pans, uh, nine volt batteries, door stops, light bulbs, things like that. And just say, hey, is there anything we could take care of for you? And if they did, you know what? We went in, we did them, we documented them, went back, wrote up work orders. Um, and if it was something bigger, we set up an appointment to come back and fix it. If not, we left them another letter still and say, hey, you know, um, be sure that you contact us if you need anything. And here you go. And when I got the actual service teams to buy into that, why we were doing it, and I could show them that, hey, we did this and we turned this many less units. And if we turned this many less units, guess what we were able to do? We were able to be out on property, do other inspections, um, just do the things that we needed to do instead of make readies. And, you know, it, 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 when companies really realize how much maintenance is a total part of their package and how they are perceived, Going that extra mile with those things, um, you know, it, it's huge. And to see the maintenance team as part of the property that, you know, when we're at these resident functions, we're not just taking out trash. We're not standing in the corner or just hiding in another room. You know what? They need to be out there talking to people, you know, going around, saying hello, you know, all of those things. Because when people get comfortable with the people who are there to take care of them in their homes, they're going to stay. Do you recommend um, you recommend that maintenance share in the renewal um, bonuses that that properties sometimes give out? Of course, and that's the thing, right? At, at this company, when when we did this, 
Maintenance did receive a partial bonus for renewals, but we didn't do anything for it. Like we did nothing extra. It just, it was just, well, if they renew or not, it's kind of out of our hands, you know, but we get a little bit of money for it. I was like, no, let's do something to contribute and see if we can't make it better. And we ended up making, you know, more in bonus. And, you know, that was the thing is, um, think about all the money that we save not turning a unit. And you know what? By, you know, giving somebody, you know, a few extra dollars to put in the effort to want to retain that resident, in the long run, it's it's well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it would be. Um, I know that, um, you know, PropOps has done a number of um, studies and examinations of, of financials and uh, the the correlation between occupancy and renewal rates and maintenance. Uh, I've heard you speak a few times kind of on that subject. Um, I'll talk a little bit about what you, what you guys have discovered and sort of your analysis of the effect of maintenance on some of the financial aspects of running a property. Oh, um, well, it's huge. Uh, if you think about all the dollars that maintenance spends or maintenance is responsible for on some level, whether they're service contracts, whether they are calling vendors, whether, you know, whatever the case, you know, we're, we're spending money left and right. And a lot of the times the maintenance teams are kept out of the the meat and potatoes level of budgeting, right? Um, they're, we're brought in every so often, but, you know, not really. Um, but once again, we don't, a lot of maintenance team members, you know, we don't come with that skill set, right? We don't come with the mentality of an accountant. Uh, we just want to get stuff done and right. we want to, That's you know, right. Put it in front of us, but uh, once again, a little bit of education and talk about this, the 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 budgets. Talk about how we can improve, and then the the backup to show when we improve. So, you know, I've seen you know drastic uh, turnarounds, and the thing was is that I noticed these things while I was on property, right? When I was a maintenance supervisor and implemented these things. Um, lucky enough, you know, I, I as my you know as my career grew, I was able to look at these things and I could actually see percentages. I could see how we were moving the needle. I could see, you know, once we put all of these items in place, this is where we were able to get to. And, you know, for some properties, it's a gradual process. For other properties, you know, you can do several things and and move that needle a little bit bigger. Um, but I think it's about really educating our service teams, you know, first off, we have to educate them on their day to day, right? What do they do every day? How do they do it? How could they be better at it? How could they, they be more efficient? But then it's bringing in those, you know, those, those, uh, you know, perimeter type skills that they don't need to be an accountant, but they should be able to learn how to read a budget. You know, they don't need to, um, they don't need to be a, a purchasing department onto themselves but you know what? They need to know that it's important. If you you know you have a, a number of suppliers or another number of vendors, how do you bid these things out? How often should you bid them out to ensure that you're getting the best deal possible? Because we we think, oh, you know, a clean in an apartment's not very much, but just think if you know we're able to knock off ten percent on every clean that we do because we search for another vendor or we got a better deal or we ask our current vendors, you know. It's those skills that that are kind of like that missing link, right? To where you usually have other people negotiating those things 
that aren't the people who are actually in the apartments doing this work or seeing this work. Um, so it, it helps. I mean, to, to be able to bring in vendors, um, you know, to bid capital projects, to bid uh, turn services, everything. Um, but it takes time. You have to train the people. You, you know, you have to get them into that mindset. But once you get them there and you show them results, and I think that's the biggest thing is share the results. You know, share the stats of your property. Share where your, you know, where your occupant, your physical occupancy is. Show what your economic occupancy is, and explain that. Be- Every time that we do this, this cuts into a piece of the pie, and this is how it happens. If we're able to, you know, an- another thing is, you know, we found out that it was much easier for our service team members to do maybe touch-up paints. And we, you know, we didn't pay a paint, painter to come in and do touch-up paints. We They still did full paints because, once again, that cut into our time ratio, right? How did we want to turn these units? And, and once again, it bleeds into everything else. We start this conversation, right? But even explaining to your maintenance teams why it's important to turn that unit in five to seven days versus 25 days, you know what? They may refocus on it if they understand truly how it hits the bottom line and that, you know, you have to give them the recognition recognition for it. It's, you know, if they do it, you know, let them know that, that you're happy with the results. Let them know that they're where they need to be. Um, and I think that a lot of the times we see these things and we believe that it's just magic that we can turn it off and on, you know. Oh, why can't you turn that unit in five days? Well, it depends on the property. Every property is different. The level of property, the type of uh, property it is, um, it, it all factors in. But you have to be able to make it the best for your property and then go from there. One of the things you said there was uh, you started off saying that um, really the, the, the service managers, the service technicians on site <clears> – <throat> They really have to understand their day to day. You need to train them in everything they need to be doing on the, on a day to day basis. Um, I I know that from firsthand. I know that that's difficult. Uh, there's a lot of competing priorities. Um, arguably, you're introducing yet another priority, which is actual resident relations, right? Which many service managers and technicians don't even undertake right now. How do you um, how do you train or how do you manage all of the different competing priorities? on a on a service on the service team's time all those different demands well i think we do it like everywhere everything else right um you know what almost everybody comes in and you know depending on how you're set up but on my properties everybody picked up grounds in the morning it wasn't an if and or but everybody did it because once again if we were able to cut down the time that our porter or our groundskeeper was doing all the grounds then they could concentrate on other things. And we got out, you know, nobody is knocking on anyone's door at eight o'clock in the morning to do a work order. If we are in a make ready, we're not doing anything loud or we shouldn't be right. But where's that time spent? Okay. Let's do grounds. We plan for that. We can plan for training. Right. Um, And sometimes depending how you're set up. um, I think another big thing to recognize is that not everyone needs the exact same level of training. You have to personalize it. You have to personalize it for your service teams. You have to personalize it for each person on your service team. 
So, you know, think about this. You, you think you've got two different types of, um, say you have a, a service manager and a service tech. Service tech is new to our industry. They just received their EPA 608, but they don't know how to work on air conditioners. Now, the manager is trying to teach them as they can go, but we all know that that is, um, those opportunities present themselves every so often. When an air conditioner is down, oh, maybe they might learn something about that then. They need some more formal type of training on HVAC, the beginnings of HVAC. But why would you send your maintenance supervisor to that exact same training at the exact same time? He's not going to get anything out of it because he already knows that. Well, once again, if you plan it the right way, there's always someone there covering. There, you know, you, you you think about those things. You know, instead of going across the board and be like, okay, everybody's going to spend four hours in this one training, and then we'll have to get caught up what we miss out of those four hours afterwards. Not everybody needs that exact same four hours, you know. Um, and when you get it down to a more personal type of training level people will engage it. You know, they will be engaged. They will get more out of it. Um, but once again, it's how we ask those questions. It's not about what are you not good at? It's what would you like to be better at? And you start getting more honest answers that way. And once again, we learn people's skills. Now we know, oh, it's, it's, it's more efficient for me as a maintenance supervisor to send this person on this type of work order, especially when we're very busy in the summer, the height of leasing, the HVAC season, you know, everything. I know that this person knows this skill better than this other one. So in a crunch, they are going to handle it more efficiently, faster. And that's what we need to, you know, take advantage of. We need to take advantage of people's strengths and then do learning opportunities along the way. Um, and so all once again, all of those things factor into doing things more efficiently, doing things more cost effectively. Um being better at what we do day to day. If if your service teams are able to get faster and they're more confident in what they're doing, once again, um, it gives off a whole different aura. If so, you call someone on call for to fix your air conditioner, and if they show up and they don't know what they're doing, and it's obvious that they don't know what they're doing, the residents are going to pick up on that. They're going to know that, and then you have a whole other complaint, or they have a whole other reason to be upset. Um, but when you are confident, when you show up and you know that you can fix this item and you know that you're going to take care of the resident, you're going to let them know, hey, I need to go check this. I'm going to be about this amount of time. So don't worry if I'm not back in an hour or so because I'm going to be out here for a little bit and I will check in with you before you know I leave. It, once again, it's kind of saying those things up front to where people don't worry about them or wonder about them. And so when you factor in all that, you just have to make time for the training and you have to schedule it and you have to stick to it. And, you know, it, it it's taking those opportunities. Once again, you schedule it with coverage um, and you kind of do the same thing preve pre for preventive maintenance. You do the same things for covering people's vacations. You, it's just how you do. It's just that you need to expand it a little bit to, you know, to include that that training component of it. I want to come back to that, but you know, when I'm listening to you talk, Chad, and and certainly no disagreement with anything that you're saying, all that's really super important. But I think to myself, you've worked you've worked for institutional class owners, um, at least in your recent history that I'm familiar with. I, I don't know if you've ever worked for smaller owners in the past, but when you have assets that are, you know, you know, less than 50 units, less than 40 units, which is a which is a massive part of the of the housing stock in the U.S. There oftentimes isn't really a budget 
I when I hear you talk about send somebody have 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 a four hour training for folks on on um, a, a particular piece of equipment. So oftentimes, just not the budget for that. Um, how do you how do you bridge that gap with with smaller operators? How can they get that training? How can they provide that same level of support without the the luxury of having you know an institutional class training program that's that's managed by corporate? What do you do if you don't have that resource? Well, I have worked for a, a, a few smaller operators. Right, it was much earlier in my career, um, and I noticed that we didn't get a lot of those opportunities. Um, and you're right, they don't have a standalone training department or they don't have someone to, to, to do these items. And to tell you the truth, a lot of the smaller operators, they're not in the apartment associations. They're not, you know, they're, they're not part of that world. But what they do is they usually, you know, um, if you're any sort of sizable um, operation, you're still ordering from HD Supply or Wilmar or, you know, um, one of those type of suppliers that they do, they, they will give free training to anyone who signs up or their training may be just, you know, um, it's not very expensive, but usually through them, you do get some quality type of training, especially like the hands-on stuff where you're able to go and actually, um, you know, go to a location and, and they will take something apart and show it to you and explain the components and everything. So, while it's not as in depth, it is still better than than nothing. Um, and to help with those type of understandings, and it's really you know thinking about those things. Um, you know, does it make sense uh, to get into some of those organizations or um, to to be a part of that? And and it, it depends if you if you're if you're a one person operating an eight plex, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but if you have a handful of smaller properties that you know, are in the same, you know, geographic location that are, you know, um, that you can really afford, you know, you can afford to take some time to invest in that type of training for those staffs. Um, There's multiple ways of getting it. It's just, you know, how much do you want to pay um, for it? Or really, I think being aware that the opportunities are even out there to be able to make some choices uh, to be able to get some of that type of training. Right. So the local, check with your local apartment association. They'll have some sort of training, maybe maybe throughout the year that they could take advantage of at a lower cost. Yeah. And, oh, and you and you all, and, and you see it all the time, right? You, you you'll get the uh, notices that it says for members it's X amount of dollars, for non-members it's X amount of dollars. Well, if you're still a non-member and it's still valuable training, it, you know what? It may it may be worth it to pay that little bit of extra just to take advantage of that one type of training. But then also too, you may see, Oh, what would my dues be for this organization for the year? And well, if I send them to two trainings, does it make sense to put that money into the membership of that organization? Then you open up yourself to be able to visit trade shows. Um, You get all those interpersonal connections in those type of associations where you start getting the good deals, you start finding out about the new services, or you find out that companies offer more services than you than you thought that they did. And you can take advantage of those items um, that way. And so once again, you know, some of the smaller operators on the surface, they may think, oh, you know what, to pay that much for to be in that type of association is kind of expensive. But once again, if you do it, keep track of it, and see what the results are, you know, you can always cancel that membership, <laughs> but take some time to see if it's worth it. And and more often than not, if if 
the people who are associated with the with those types of associations that are the ones going to this the trade shows and going to the trainings if they're really going in there to learn and to take advantage of these things um i have found that you know some of the relationships and some of the you know both personal and business relationships that i've found in apartment associations are some of the best that you know i've ever had in the apartment industry because as i move up they kind of move up. And when I move into a new position, I say, I know I can call this person and get good prices for this across the board. I, that, is a, that is a new value that I offer my current owner that they didn't have before. Yeah, look, quick, quick commercial for the for the trade associations. I, I agree with you. I think that um, even sm- I think people, smaller operators, sometimes they think that that's not for them. They're not going to get the same value, but but you touched on a couple of things. And first of all, there's always great information to be gleaned from those trade shows, um, as well as the networking opportunities that it affords. And and yeah, if you're if you're interested in multifamily operations as a long term career or as an investor or owner, you absolutely should be attending those trade shows and getting that experience. I agree. Um, I'm gonna I want to roll back to something that you said. You were talking about <clears throat> really making time for all of this. Um, in my experience. For example, you mentioned preventive maintenance. You make time for preventive maintenance. In my experience, a lot of operators have um, no or very little well-developed preventive maintenance programs. Why is that, Chad? Why is that hard? Um, uh, is there a way to make that easier? Uh, talk a little about your experience there. Well, I think especially for the smaller operators, right? They don't have someone in place that has already put that stuff together. That's a huge part of it is – is the system itself? Um, how do you track it? How do you keep tra- you know? How do you keep track of it? Um, and what do you have to do? And that is the thing: is the what do you have to do? If you don't have the people in place who already know that, you don't know what you need to do, what you should do at what intervals. Um, and I've seen it both for small owners and even for some larger owners that you know they if they'd had a preventive maintenance system, more often than not, it was the same group of work orders. Um, that they wanted everybody to do at the exact same time, whether it pertained to their property or not, right? Um, because they felt it, it was a system and it helped. Um, but for the, the smaller operators, I think that, you know, reaching out to, to certain companies that offer those types of things off the bat, that even to get a template, you know, to say, this is how you can track this. This is what needs to be in here. Um, and, you know, investing in some time, you know, for, you know, a, a person who or a company who specializes in that to come in and and give you a program. And I think that that was the biggest thing is when I really started down the road of wanting to be more responsible for my property. And I said, hey, we need to do these things. This is what we need to do. And the question that always shut me down, at least in the beginning, was, well, how much is this going to cost and how much is it going to save? And I didn't know. I just knew that it would be good. I couldn't tell you what level of good because nobody kept track of it before. Um, so I started doing that. And when I could show that, hey, by us going in and actually taking care of these HVAC systems, that after we did this and we put it in for a year, year over year, the next year, we reduced our service request in HVAC by 25%. Yeah, right on. That's great. That's awesome. You know, HVAC is a big ticket item. 
But the thing that I didn't expect to see, once we started tracking everything and, and knowing that the information was getting put in at the rate it needed to be put in and everything, not only were we doing 25% less work orders, we were doing them 60% faster because the issues that we were coming up on were easier issues to take care of because we, we were getting away from the catastrophic failures, you know, um, you know, blowing out a compressor because, you know, all the coils are clogged and, you know, doing all these things. Well, you know what? We, in the beginning, the first time we went through that, yes, it took us a little bit more time than usual. But once we stayed up on it, it was very easy and routine as long as we were legitimately checking and going in and doing these things. And so that was just one part of it that I was able to show that they 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 let me do what I needed to do for that one piece because I said, look at all the money we're spending on HVAC. I believe we can get this down. I can't tell you how much, but just in that one part, when I was able to show that, that's what opened up the door for this company to say, we should do this across the board. Like, what else could we apply this to? And so I think that that's the biggest thing is to know that those savings are out there, that those efficiencies are out there, and they look different for each property, for each company. But you have to end up doing them. You have to start at a baseline. Where are you at now? What are you spending? How long does it take? Do these items and check up on it. And how much better is it? And, you know, more often than not, I, you know, especially for those properties that are older, that are, you know, the, the distressed maintenance type of properties, right? You see such a huge jump on those type of properties versus one that was just built and everything's under warranty. Okay, but even for the ones that are just built, by having this mindset and putting these things in place, it, can, it, it allows you to take that new equipment and make it last longer. Because we're putting in the preventative maintenance work up front to ensure that. So it's it's um you know it's a huge deal, especially like I said for the smaller companies that that's all that was always the question that always stumped me, and I got shut down so many times when I tried to explain it because I couldn't qual- quantify it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I, Chad, you're one of the few people I've ever run into who 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 can put a number on it, and it's like we've all agreed we should do preventative maintenance, but we're not really sure why. We don't know what the ROI is, and there are, I, I, I'm sure you've experienced. I certainly have a number of owners that are like, look, don't don't fix it if it if it isn't broken. But you are just really kicking the can down the road that's going to end up with. A large, a catastrophic failure, as you pointed out, larger, uh, more difficult work order requests when something does break. And, and all of that erodes your bottom line more than had you just done the preventive maintenance in the first place, I think. Right. Yeah, of course. And, and, and that's the thing is that um, when you get committed to doing it and, and seeing it through and doing it the right way, it, it, it's not an overnight, you know, you don't see the results the next day after you do preventive maintenance. You don't see, you know, you see them, you know, six months down the road, a year down the road. That's where you can really see how did that, how did taking that time and a little bit of money up front pay off year over year. And, and so that, that that's the big deal. Well, I think that maybe that's our big takeaway from today. That might be a good, a good, um, a good spot to, to kind of wrap up because um, that's a really great point to be able to make to people. Preventative maintenance matters. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, while the ROI might be hard to quantify unless you're a client of prop ops, then, then you can help you quantify it. Um, it is, it's, it's important nonetheless, and it does have an ROI. Um, it, it, Chad, if, if, if people want to get a hold of you and, and, and maybe have you dig into their operations and, and provide some of these insights, um, where, where would they go? 
you know, they can visit my website, uh, propopstraining.com. Um, or, you know, my, uh, my email is available. I'm sure it'll, it'll be here somewhere. Um, you know, go ahead and reach sure, out. we'll have it in the notes. Yeah, of course. And then, um, you know, j- just reach out. And sometimes, you know, it's not about, sometimes it's just a little bit of advice, you know, a nudge in the right direction. Um, uh, one of the things that I get when I do, when, uh, hopefully we're going to be getting into more live in-person trainings, you know, cause I, I do trainings for different apartment associations across the U S mm-hmm. and afterwards I have people who come up, they say, I just don't know how to start the conversation. I don't know how I can approach my manager or my owners or my regional or whoever. And I was like, you just have to start, you just have to put it out there and, and, and start the conversation. Um, and you know, so, sometimes it's just a nudge in the right direction and you start seeing these things. They start just unfolding in front of you when you start digging into them. Oh, I can be better at that. Oh, we can improve this. Um, you know, and it, 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 it's really amazing, you know, depending on where your property or your company is now to where it could be just by focusing on some of these key issues that, you know, uh, unfortunately up until now, there ha- and, and even now, but even now there's more of a push for these things than there ever has been, I think. And it's just going to get, you know, bigger and better. Yeah. As operations and operators become more sophisticated um, and more aware of how this affects their bottom line, it's going to become more and more important and residents will come to expect it as well. Um, Chad, great, great talking with you today. Thanks so much. We appreciate you coming here to the Academy and sharing some of your wisdom with the, with the students. Well, Daniel, I had a great time. Thank you for having me and uh, hope to be back someday soon. Yeah, there's definitely more to talk about. Thanks, Chad. Well, venerable Apartment Academy student, thanks for sitting in on today's lecture. If you've enjoyed these podcasts and you feel like your management company could use a little advice from some of the professors here at the Apartment Academy, then go to our website, apartmentacademy.com and click help me. We'll send you a questionnaire and provide individualized responses to your answers at no charge that I guarantee will offer you insights on ways you can immediately improve apartment operations. Until next time, class is over.